Good morning. As the, uh, the high schoolers and middle schoolers are being dismissed, I'll quickly introduce myself. My name is Eric. My wife, JJ, and our three kids, Noah, Ian, and Ellie, have lived in Beijing now for 14 years. And so we're just excited to be here. I'm excited to be able to share this morning. Well, I grew up in, this, in suburban Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area. And growing up as a kid, one of my favorite things was, was being in the Boy Scouts. The highlight of my Boy Scout career, if Boy Scouts can have a career, but the highlight of my time in Boy Scouts was when my troop decided to go from the East Coast, the Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area, to New Mexico. New Mexico has the, the mecca of all Boy Scout of America camp called Philmont, New Mexico. And so we decided to go there. Uh, Philmont is actually over 300 square miles of mountains and wilderness, and it's all owned and operated by the Boy Scouts of America. And so we had such an amazing trip. We, we backpacked over 100 miles in only 10 days. But along the way, we got to rock climb, shoot black powder rifles, fly fish, horseback ride. Um, so for an outdoor person like me, it was, my, it was a dream come true. Now, each troop that went to Philmont had to designate a scout to be in charge for that whole time. And so our leader was a 17-year-old kid named Sean. Sean was an Eagle Scout, which is the highest rank that a scout can be. And so Sean had lots of responsibilities. He needed to decide when do we rest and when do we push on. He would need to decide when, where, where do we camp. He would have to decide... He would help navigate, look at the map, and, and figure out our course and direction. So Sean had lots of responsibilities, but the responsibility I want to talk about today is he was in charge of dividing all of our food and supplies. And so Sean came to me and said, you need to carry this in your backpack. And he'd go to the next scout and say, you need to carry this in your backpack. Well, we had to carry everything in our backpacks. So my backpack weighed over 75 pounds. Did I already mention that we hiked over 100 miles? 75 pounds. And I'm not as big as I was. This is when I was 14. So 75 pounds. And that's about what most, most of the scouts' backpacks weighed. Well, it came to our attention that the second to last day, that Sean had originally divided the supplies and the food in such a way that he wasn't carrying any of it. So, as you can imagine, this made the guys in our troop very, very upset. Now, teenage boys are not very good at handling their emotions properly. And so, I, I remember specifically when we found out, I remember thinking, I'm just going to stay out of this. I don't want anything to do with it. We're almost done the hike. I was a nice kid. Uh, but I was full well expecting something like a scene from The Lord of the Flies or The Hunger Games. Um, so what the other kids decided to do is they would retaliate towards Sean by sneaking rocks into his backpack. So the remaining 10 miles that we had to hike back into base camp, Sean was weighed down by a lot of rocks in his backpack. Well, even though I wasn't part of the sabotage plan, I have to confess that I inwardly chuckled when I heard Sean repeatedly complain about how hard that final hike was. 
Those rocks made Sean's trip very difficult and miserable. You know, the Bible tells us that God's desire for us is to have an abundant life. But sometimes I don't feel like my life feels very abundant. I feel like, like Eagle Scout Sean, I often feel weighed down. I often feel like I have this burden on me, or I often feel like I'm under the pile. And so what I want to look at is, as Ian shared, my favorite Bible verse for a long time has been Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And I think it can relate a lot to what, what I, about Eagle Scout Sean. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Well, the first thing we need to look at when we look at this passage, a long time ago, somebody, somebody taught me when you see a, a therefore in the Bible, you need to ask yourself, what is the therefore therefore? And so what the therefore is there for is to tie this section of scripture back to the previous chapter. Now, Hebrews 11 is known as the Hall of Faith. It is one of the most inspiring chapters in the whole Bible. It's fascinating to look at the heroes of the Bible and the faith that they had trusted God and looked forward to eternity. Or as the author of Hebrews puts it, he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. You know, the chapter talks about most of the Sunday school characters that we learn. Uh, It says, by faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Isaac did that. By faith, Rahab did this. It talks about their great faith and trust in the Lord. Here's a glimpse of some that don't even get mentioned by name, starting in Hebrews eleven thirty-six. Others, suffering mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword, they went about in, she- in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. And then it goes on to the scripture that we're, we're going to look at today. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So did you hear what I said? A man was sawn in two, and his name isn't even mentioned. That's a pretty tough competition to get into that hall. Um, by the way, most biblical scholars think that that was Isaiah. You know, I like to think that there's a book or a hall of faith in heaven right now. And it's constantly being added to. And it says, by faith, Eric did this. Or by faith, Ian did that. Or it says, JJ knew that this was not her home, but she desired a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called her God, for he has prepared for them a city. So let's go back to Hebrews 12.1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So who is this great cloud of witnesses? Well, we're definitely influenced by the people around us for both good and bad. Just a quick picture that for me it's easy to visualize is a Beijing traffic, traffic light. 
You know, often there are people waiting to cross the, the light or cross the road because the light is red. And you see them waiting, and they're waiting, and you're standing, and you start waiting with them. But then some other people come up behind them, and they start walking right through the red light. Now, those people that were patiently waiting are no longer content standing on the side. So what do they do? They start following the person that's already walking across the, the road. Believe me, I see this all the time, and, and I do it. I think they influence me, too, to, to walk, across the, walk across the road. You know, when I was in Sunday school as a child, my Sunday school teacher used to say, when no one else is watching, God is watching. And you know what? That scared the heck out of me. I remember as a little kid, like, and that was exactly what the Sunday school teacher wanted. She wanted me to have obedience because of fear. But, you know, as an adult, that actually, that statement no longer brings me fear, but it brings me comfort. When no one else is watching, God is watching. He sees my pain. He sees my hurt. He's there with me. So I like to think we're in this big stadium, and it's full of people, all those around us, and those are our witnesses. Are we going to be influenced by the things of this world, or are we going to be strengthened by those who have gone before us, and those brothers and sisters that we lock arms with? You know, the word witness actually has two meanings. The first is a witness is an observer, somebody who sees something. But a witness is also someone who testifies. These men and women in the hall of faith, their faith testified to the goodness of God. It bore witness to that. We're also surrounded by the body of Christ, and our brothers and sisters, they bear witness to the Father. So that witness should spur us on to love and good deeds. That witness should help us, as it later goes on to talk about, to run the race. There's an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And so that cloud of witnesses that, are, that is around us, not only, I believe, is it the hall of faith, those people that have witnessed, testified to the, to the goodness of the Lord, but it's also those around us. You know, as a family, we've really been enjoying reading uh, missionary biographies about heroes of the faith that have gone before us. Uh, we read about Eric Little, Hudson Taylor, George Mueller, Robin and Joyce Hill, just to hear their, their faith that has encouraged us. To, it has encouraged us to run the race. So what are we to do? There's three things. We need to throw, we need to run, and we need to fix. So throw, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. You know, when a runner is training for a race, they want to get rid of any excess weight. You know, whether that's losing body weight or wearing lightweight, breathable clothing, there's a multi-million dollar industry uh, designed to make runners run lighter. Even shoes these days weigh next to nothing. You know, the excess weight only makes running a fraction, or even the heavier weight only makes running a fraction of a percentage harder. But that percentage over time really adds up to a lot. So just like my friend Eagle Scout Sean, 
that extra baggage we carry hinders our ability to run the race. Although we try to run, and we try our hardest, it's exhausting. And like Sean, we begin to grumble and complain. And like Sean, we begin to feel miserable. So I have a backpack, and it's full of my rocks. And I want to talk about it with you guys. I find it interesting that the author of Hebrews chooses to... Wow, this is heavy. I feel bad for Sean. I think I better do this. Um, I find it interesting that the author of Hebrews divides it into two categories. Everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. You know, I understand the sin part, but he also talks about everything that hinders us. I know that we need to confess our sins to the Lord. As I'm going about my daily life and I say something mean or biting to to my wife, JJ, or to the kids, it's like I'm putting a rock in in my backpack. It's making it harder and harder for me to to run the race. But 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's removing those rocks from the backpack. I know we also, as James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, and you will be healed. It's removing those rocks from the backpack. But here, the Bible clearly does divide the sin and everything that hinders us. So, as I look at that, it makes me think that, well, there could be some things that hinder me that aren't necessarily sin. You know, I I understand it might be, to be honest, it might be a a gray area, maybe not a black and white thing, because things that hinder me could be sin or they could not be sin. Or things that hinder me could be a sin for me, but not for you. I'll give you a couple examples. But like my friend, Eagle Scout Sean, I also think we have lots of rocks in our backpack that we don't know are there. Sean had no idea that there were rocks in his backpack. And so I just want to encourage you to pray about that and ask God to reveal what are the rocks in your backpack. To be honest, I think the sin ones come up and and we feel convicted more. But what I want to talk about are what are the things that hinder me? So what are the rocks? Or if you're like me, maybe you've gotten used to justifying those rocks' existences in, in your backpack. So let's go ahead and see what I got here. Oh, this one's a big one. Productivity. Now, some of you might be thinking, how is productivity a bad thing? And you know, for me, sometimes it's not a bad thing. Sometimes it's a very good thing. For other people, productivity might be a a very good thing. But for me, it's so easy for me to be consumed by my work and by my ministry. And that hinders me from focusing on the Lord. You know, like Martha, that Mary Martha story gets me every time. Like Martha, I'm too busy running around doing the things that need to be done instead of being like Mary, being willing to sit at the feet of my Savior. You know, my job, my work ethic, that can hinder me from my walk with the Lord. And with that, I often look towards results for satisfaction and not towards the Lord. My second rock... This one's prestige, my image. You know, I don't understand why I 
I give people so much power in my life. Why their opinion of me matters so much. But I, but I need it. I need to be liked by others. I need others to, to admire me. Last week, I thought Chris, Chris did a great job talking about idols. And as he was sharing, this was the thing that kept coming up in my mind, was my need to be liked by others. And, you know, along with that is people-pleasing. I, I, am a, I feel like I should be at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, but I am a people-pleaser. I am. And at times that hinders me from, walk, from fixing my eyes on Jesus. Galatians 1.10 says, Are you trying to please God? Or are you trying to please man? And often I feel like I'm trying to please man. People pleasing. I forgot the rock. See, it's bigger. Um, you know, other people's expectations often dictate my path. Even though in Hebrews 12 it says, the race marked out for you. Okay, the next one. Possessions. Yeah, I can see a lot of you cringe. Ugh, not that one. Don't talk about that, Eric. You know, it's an easy trap for us to fall into. Uh, You know, am I going to get the next iPhone? Or a nicer apartment? Or a car? Or even the new iWatch? Will I buy it? You know, the, the crazy thing is, my budget tells me, no, Eric, you will not buy the new iWatch. But that hasn't prevented me from reading articles about it and watching the, the Apple launch video all about the new iPhone, iWatch, even though I know I would never buy it because I, I can't afford it. So these things, I think, in and of themselves aren't bad. But if we're moving towards those possessions, to those things, to find the satisfaction that Jesus wants to be for us, that's when it can, can hurt us. That's when it can feel like we're adding rocks to our backpack. The next one, like, like possessions, is finances. Is my security in my retirement plan? Is, is my comfort level dictated by my bank account? When I find rest in my finances, then I'm not, then it hinders me from running the race. Or, if you're like me, when I find stress in my finances, that can hinder me from running the race. This one is fear. One of the most repeated commands in Scripture is to fear not. That's hard for me. I think as a, as a father, as a provider, I worry about JJ and the kids. Um, things like I've been fearful of things like SARS and the Ebola virus and the measles. I fear for my kids' health and safety. Fear at times has directed my path and not the Lord. This one is insecurity. I I feel like I have a lot of insecurities. I'm insecure about my weight. I'm insecure about my relationships. I'm even insecure about my public speaking ability. So what are the rocks in your backpack? What are the rocks that are hindering you from running the race? You know, in India, they like to eat monkey brains. And one of the interesting things about monkey brains is they need to catch the monkeys and, and 
They can't go out and shoot them. They have to actually catch them because if they shoot them, by the time they get the monkey back to the market, apparently something with the brain goes on and, and it's not tasty or, or something. And uh, so they devised a way in which they made a box. And at the bottom of the box is a little slit. And they put a piece of candy in the, in the box. And so the monkey reaches his hand up through the slit and grabs the piece of candy. But with a fist, the monkey cannot let go of the box. And so then they come to get the monkey. And the monkey is actually not smart enough to realize that if he just let go of that piece of candy, then he would be able to experience freedom. So he actually will stand there and hold on to the candy until the captors come and take him away and eat his brain. So for us, though, I think we do that. We're often holding on to pieces of candy or these rocks. So what is the candy in your life that you're holding on to that you don't want to let go to experience the freedom that God has for you? What are the rocks that are in your backpack that are preventing you from running the race? You know, when I was in college, I got a truck. And I loved this truck, and I was so excited to have this truck. And the door handle on on my truck broke. And I thought, that's no problem. I'm a guy. I can fix this. And so it happened to be Christmas time. And it was, I, I come from the Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area. And usually there's, there's often snow on the ground at Christmas. But this time it was shorts and T-shirt weather for some reason for Christmas. And so I had rolled the window down on that truck. And I decided I blasted music and changed the oil. And I was doing all this stuff. And I decided, okay, let's tackle the door. And uh, so I, I took off the inside of the door, and I'm trying to get to where the handle is so I can unscrew it, and there's a big hole there. And so as I reach my hand through the, the hole to get to where it is, it hits this piece of glass. And I thought, huh, this must be like some sort of fire barrier or... Or something I don't understand. And so I was frustrated and I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I put the door back together. And then that night, my neighbor uh, and I were talking. He's an FBI agent, but he has a hobby fixing cars and everything. And, and uh, so I explained the story and he starts laughing. I see some people smiling already. So it turned out the window was down. I had actually rolled the window down. Because it was the middle of December, I wasn't expecting it to be. But I share that today because what I realize is often I'm the biggest hindrance to walking with the Lord. The thing that gets in the way of of me walking with the Lord most is me, whether it's any of these rocks or other things. So let's go back to Ephesians 12. Let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run the race. Our spiritual journey is not a sprint. Here it says we need to run the race with perseverance. Other translations say with endurance. You know, I also am very comforted when it says the race marked out for us. That means God's already planned your path. He's planned your steps. You know, the trials and the struggles and the pain in my life and the turmoil, they're difficult. And I think they're still difficult. But at the same time, they're not a surprise to God. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Proverbs 16, 9 says, 
In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So for me, it's, it's a comfort to know that he plans my steps. He marks the, marks the path out. And my ability to run that path is, is determined whether I'm, like Eagle Scout Sean, burdened and carried heavy laden by these rocks. So not only do I want to throw off everything that hinders and run with perseverance, but the final thing is, is I need to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I heard somebody say once, it's all about focusing vertically and not horizontally. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, no soldier gets involved in civilian affairs, which is the horizontal, but instead he wants to please his commanding officer. This past summer... My family and I go home every three years. This past summer, we were uh, back, and my brother has a, a ski boat, and so he had invited us up to the lake, and, and uh, he wanted me to drive it. And what I realized is, I don't know why I don't notice this with cars, but it, it, you do this with cars, but I really noticed this with the boat, is you automatically turn whichever direction you're looking. And so we're out there on the, on the water, and we're going really fast, and I start looking at the cliffs out in the distance, and I'm like, and the whole boat starts going that direction. And, and so you, you steer the direction you're looking. And I think that happens in life, too. The way you run, the way you run with perseverance, the way you're able to throw off everything is dependent on are you looking vertically or are you looking horizontally. Colossians 3 says, set your mind on things above not on earthly things. I think a great example of this was Peter when he was walking on, walking on the water. He sees Jesus at a distance and says, Jesus, call me so I can come out and walk, on, walk to you. And he does. And as Peter's seeing Jesus, he's walking on the water. But what happens? The wind comes and the waves come and, and everything around him. And then he takes his eyes off Jesus and he puts it on his circumstances and then he begins to sink. And I think just like that, that happens to us. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I think one of the ways we do that is we look at what are the rocks in my backpack, and as we pull them out. Now I'd ask Ian if the worship team could sing that song, Cornerstone. And even the Bible verse today that we read talked about the cornerstone. The only rock that we need in our backpack is the cornerstone. And Jesus says to him, uh, Jesus says to us, my yoke is, is easy and my burden is light. And so unlike these rocks, having Jesus in our backpack does not weigh us down. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for uh, just Ian and the worship team and, and how they were able to help us fix our eyes on you. Father, I pray that we would be able to recognize, unlike Eagle Scout Sean, the rocks that are in our lives, that we'd be able to, uh, in community, even with our brothers and sisters, share what are the rocks in our lives and how can we pray for one another. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and that we'd be able to run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And Lord, that would all come from fixing our eyes on you the author and perfecter of our faith.
It's in your name I pray. Amen.